I'm Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freund, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It was a beautiful, bright day today. Yeah, we've had a few days of sun, and it's just seeing the sun makes a big difference for me. It does. It make, Yeah, it makes all the difference. It, mm-hmm. was, it was so bright today that when I went to bring in my garbage cans, I put sunglasses on. <laughs> Because yep. it was so bright, mm-hmm. you know, reflecting off the snow. It was beautiful. Yep. Spring isn't too far away. Not too far away. Not too far away at all. So did I surprise you with the, the post that went out this morning? Yes. I did not know what to expect when I you know, first saw the email come through. <laughs> um, and it's funny because the, the park that you wrote about that we'll be talking about today is a park that I've driven by many of times. My eye doctor used to be near this location and I would always drive by it and I had no idea what it was. So I'm I'm kind of glad that this is what you chose because now I finally know. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was either. You know, and so actually I was, I was on my way looking for another monument that I had told you before we hit record, I still have not found. <laughs> um, and, and I'm almost wondering if perhaps at some point that monument was stolen because it was bronze and I would but not be surprised if it had been stolen or maybe it was just moved to safekeeping. I'm not sure, but, mm-hmm. but I was driving toward that monument and I drove past this park and I said, you know what? I need to stop. And I walked in to the park area inside the fences and I came across this memorial that I had seen before this monument that I had seen before in pictures but never really dug into the story and and so this is really so so the name of the park right now is Fayette Firefighters Park and you had mentioned what it the names it had previous to that what were they? I forgot. Yes. Um, so in, let's see, 1827, it was Center Square. Uh, okay. In 1838, it was Lafayette Park. In 1917, uh, it was Fayette Park. Okay. And then 1972, Fayette Firefighters Memorial Park. Thank you. So it's it's got, a, even the park itself has a rich history. And I mm-hmm. really like the fact that they took what is really a beautiful green space right in the center of the city to set up memorials to firefighters. And, and the title of, of the post that went out this morning was The Heroes Among Us. And, and I just, I don't think that we give enough honor and respect mm-hmm. to those in our community that are firefighters. Um, 67% of the firefighters in the United States are volunteer. And one of the things I noticed when I went into this park, the, the large monument on the east side of the park, that in the monument facing east, was originally um, constructed to memorialize the firefighters that died in the Collins Block fire. And as a kid growing up in Syracuse, I heard, you know, periodically about the Collins Block fire. It was clearly the worst loss of life for firefighters in the city of Syracuse. And it really, it occurred on um, February 3rd, 1939. And there there was a building uh, on East Genesee Street, 225, I believe it was East Genesee Street. 
inside the building. Thankfully, the only thing in the building at the time in operation was the Keep restaurant. And at about 2 a.m., the fire, first fire alarm goes off and, and the Syracuse firefighters arrive on the scene. And by 4 a.m., they had extinguished the fire. So this must not have been too bad of a fire in terms of, you know, um, hard to fight because they were able to extinguish the fire by 4 a.m. And so they go into a cleanup mode uh, when all of a sudden the, the ceiling of the basement starts to collapse and the building just begins to implode and uh, eight of the firefighters died in the collapse of the building um, they in it one of the there's an article that was posted um, in our post in our Syracuse Post standard um, back I'm gonna think well, the first, some of the articles I referenced go back to 1939. It would have been the Herald. But I think the Post Standard did something on February 4th, 2016, kind of an anniversary of that. And it, in that, that's where I got a lot of this information. And one of the tragic things in this is there is a, an assistant fire chief, Boynton, who is on the third floor with uh, a Lieutenant David Levine surveying the damage. And as the as the structure begins to break away, Levine is slipping away and Boynton tries to reach for him and just, you know, his arm was just a couple inches too short type of thing. And and he has to watch his, his friend and colleague, you know, fall to his death into the building. Um, the article talks about the fact that, you know, that, that right after the collapse, you could still hear the fireman's moans. But at about 10 o'clock, just before 10, the outer walls of the building start to collapse. And uh, there's just this, this very tragic statement that the fire chief has to make. And it was simply this, since the falling of the rest of the walls, all possible hope has been abandoned. The men are dead. And it was such a moving thing for the city of Syracuse that imagine February day, frigid temperatures, about 10,000 people gathered outside just to try to, be there for this rescue effort type of thing. Um, there were members of the American Legion Post that came to, you know, hand out coffee and donuts to the firefighters as they're trying to, which would have now been just a recovery effort for these firefighters. And, and then another sad, sad thing is that three days later, three to four days later, Assistant Chief Boynton dies of a heart attack. And what you find out is that he had actually for a year been battling issues with his heart. And three weeks before the fire has a heart attack, but he refused to be taken out of active duty. And in one of the most um, amazing statements that I read, and I actually put this in my post that went out this morning, and, and, and I actually mentioned to my wife, I said, the difference in the way writing is done. You know, it seemed to me that like in the 30s, um, journalists used um, perhaps a higher educational level of writing than, than we do today. But this was, this was the quote that I took out of it. Men and women of imagination who can conjure up in their minds the picture of this experienced firefighter with his faltering health fighting to get his men out alive after the Collins block had collapsed, then struggling for days to reach them, finally dying of an overworked, broken heart 
may get just a glimpse of what heroism, devotion, and self-sacrifice really mean. That was the leadership piece that I took out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, this man literally gave his life to try to help recover the bodies of his fallen colleagues and friends and, and literally probably could have never, you know, emotionally, mentally get over that the reality of watching your friends slip away, you know, just out of your, the reach of your hand to his death and there's nothing you can do about it. And the man died of a heart attack at his home a few days later. And then I started thinking about how many other heroes like this do we have in our midst that we don't even know about? You know, I mentioned to you that I have, I have a son who um, was a volunteer fireman when he lived at home. And it didn't matter where he was, what he was doing. You know, we could have been having Christmas dinner and his pager went off and he was gone. And it, it kind of would strike me. And, and so, you know, all I could do was, okay, I, you know, I hear the beeping of his pager and he flies out the door and I would just say a prayer, you know, God, keep him safe, be with whoever he's trying to help. Um, but you never knew what he was going to face. And that was just my son. Mm-hmm. So how many other fathers or husbands or b- brothers and sisters are having those same moments of concern when somebody in their family's pager goes off? So there's, um, I tried to get some numbers together. Um, I couldn't get, without a lot of work, I couldn't find out exactly how many firefighters there are in, in Onondaga County. I, what I did find out in the national numbers, there's a little over a million as of 200, 218. A third of the firefighters uh, in the U.S. are paid, which leaves two-thirds that are volunteers. Mm-hmm. And 8% of all the firefighters in the U.S. are women. Hmm. Um, but there's 86 departments and or stations in Onondaga County. And I did look up a couple quick ones. So South O, South Onondaga was where Jeremy um, used to be a firefighter. And they have 34 active members. I did check Nedro quickly as well because it was right next to South Onondaga. And they have 30. So thinking about it, for neighborhoods like my neighborhood, there's 34 people that I depend on should something happen. Mm-hmm. And... At least when they used to do pancake breakfast, you could see them. You could put a face with a name. Mm-hmm. But we only see them when, God forbid, something terrible happens. But they're there. They're training all the time. They're going through all of these. You know, they every Monday night, volunteers have a training session. You know, and not to mention when they get called out for very tragic situations. You know, car accidents, heart attacks, fires. Um, they're there. I, you know, I, I remember one story of a, of a winter night where there was a fire and, you know, Jeremy was talking about, you know, they, so they, there were no hydrants where they were. So they were setting up ponds to, to fill with water so that the pumpers could pump the, the, the water onto the fire. And it was January and it was below zero. Wow. You know, and everybody's getting covered in ice and things are freezing up. And 
and when the you know once the fire's out and hopefully no one's hurt we don't even know what they did we just read in the paper there was a fire but how many fire districts were called out how many people left their families to go and that's why i call them the heroes among us have have you ever had any experience with with having to call for an emergency like that um not in my home but in um in my high school mm okay yes um and that was that was scary for everyone involved but, i bet i bet um wow thankfully not at home I, this also, I mean, I just, you know, on top of the, you know, I know we're focused on firefighters right now, um, yep. but this also just kind of feels timely mm. with the pandemic and, yes. you know, all of the people that are working in hospitals or in first response, yeah. really any frontline yes. worker. I mean, I feel exactly. like this idea of servant leadership is applicable yes. in all of those places. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. You know, the the thinking about the, you know, the healthcare workers specifically going into COVID floors, mm-hmm. you know, specifically taking care of COVID patients, um, realizing that they are putting themselves at risk for somebody that they don't even know. It's the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I just realized that that's probably the first time I have said the name of that virus. <laughs> Since we decided we were tired of it last spring. That's <laughs> funny. Not to mention, so, okay, so we've got the, so we have the, the firefighters, the, the first responders, the EMTs, the paramedics, um, the, uh, the police officers to mm-hmm. protect us. Then we have the, the hospital workers. But if we really want to talk about frontline, frontline people putting themselves at risk, even the store clerks yep. that kept stores open, when none of us wanted to go out, mm-hmm. but they did. I saw. I I read one statistic that the average, the average wage for a firefighter in the United States is fifty four thousand dollars. Wow! And I'm just thinking, you're kidding me. Yeah. These people put their lives on the line for that. Mm-hmm. Now maybe they have. I hope they have wonderful retirement. Um. Then I think some do if they're municipal, but if they're volunteer, they, thankfully in in uh, in New York State there is some retirement funds for volunteer firemen. It's based on how many years of service you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some kind of a contribution that goes in, and I also believe they get some property tax breaks. Oh, thankfully. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking. Wait a minute. If you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna work to protect your community, you better get a significant tax break. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I thought about was how many employees in our member companies are volunteer firefighters. Mm -hmm. And I'm really hoping that our member companies step up and find a way to recognize them. You know, how many, how many in our member companies have folks that, that man rescue squads, maybe ambulance crews, that type of thing. I mean, thankfully I've never had to call 911. Um, now my dad did once my dad, um, actually, I think he called twice. So he had a chimney fire once. Oh, wow. And, uh, he had a fairly new house too. I think his house might've only been a few years old 
and he he had wood stoves, wood in stove inserts in his fireplaces, mm-hmm. and he was uh, he had lit a fire and and went back a little bit later and heard this roaring sound coming from his chimney, and he knew exactly what that was. So he called nine one one and he said within minutes the volunteers were there. They put the fire out. They disconnected his stove from the chimney, carried it outside into the lawn, ran some chains up and down in the chimney to make sure all the fire was extinguished. You know, and in a short order, they had done their job and they were gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nameless people. And so I remember my dad always saying, um, whenever the, the Amber Fire Department had a pancake breakfast, he wanted the entire family to go. And whoever could come would come, and, and he would make a significant donation to them because he realized that, you know, they saved his house. Yeah. Um, and then I think, he, I think he also had to call once uh, when he thought he was having a heart attack, mm-hmm. I think. But I could be wrong. But I know the fire one was real for him. And they're there in minutes. So, you know, the reason why I picked this, and it's a bit of a, of a unique monument but it's one that I want us all to really begin to appreciate the heroes that are among us and thank them. You know, all these fire departments are, are, you know, especially once the virus is gone and we can begin to interact more with folks, they're going to start having their pancake breakfast and their chicken barbecues and just go. Go and tell them thank you. Go and tell them you appreciate what they do. You know, uh, sometimes and sometimes... There may be issues with flooding and things like that where they're working all kinds of hours. I remember when when Oneida Lake was flooding some years back and there were sandbags being filled and things. People were just dropping off trays of food at firehouses. If, you, if there's a need, be there to help give back because these people are, they're putting their life on the line for us. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't get a penny for it. So... Again, a little different, but it truly is servant leadership. And thank you for, for bringing up the healthcare workers as well, because that's a huge part of it. And I don't know if we have a monument in Syracuse for our healthcare workers. Well, if there is, I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try. You know, some might say it might be the, the hospitals that we have here, because we are blessed with some really amazing hospitals. We are. So I'm going to keep looking for more monuments. Um, does that mean you don't know what next week's monument is? I don't. I've ha- I have a couple other pictures that I took when I was downtown. Okay. Um, but I don't really know what next week's is. And I'm, I, I really want to try to find something that's a bit more obscure. Because hmm. I want to bring attention to the folks that may not have had attention brought to them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, like, I've driven past that park many times. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, me too. And that, to me, that to my shame, because mm-hmm. I've lived here 55 plus years of my life. Why don't, why don't I know that? I should. So we'll see. I'll, I, will, I will be out with my iPhone looking for more pictures. All righty. And more topics. Anything fun and exciting happening in the Norcross family? Not really. I mean, as we're recording this, we're coming up on Valentine's Day and my girls love Valentine's Day. So we've been doing all kinds of good activities and baking and and fun stuff. So it's really nice to see 
to see them excited about something right now is yeah. it's tough with winter and being inside so much. So it is. It's nice to it see is. see them light up like that. Yeah, good. And that that is a great uh, a great holiday for kids. I remember when mm-hmm. I was in school, that was always a very special, very very special mm-hmm. holiday for the school. All right, I think that's it for today. All right. So with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. And this was the next page.